Christos Anesti, Alethos Anesti, Christ is risen, Alleluia, He is risen indeed, Alleluia. Resurrection blessings to all of you on this solemnity of the ascension of the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit that the risen Jesus breathes on his church, may each of us graciously respond to his invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension, and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on this most holy and glorious solemnity, the Ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. Guiding us this day in opening the Word of God is Pope St. Leo the Great. As Bishop of Rome in the mid-5th century, St. Leo fought against Arianism, Pelagianism, and Manichaeanism, to name only a few. As Roman society was collapsing, St. Leo provided not only sound leadership in the Church, but in society at large by working vigorously to care for the needs of the poor through the corporal works of mercy. This solemnity's selection from Pope St. Leo the Great's Sermon 74 is one of his sermons on the Ascension. The sermon is not only significant for insights on the Ascension, but also on the connection of the Ascension and the sacramental and liturgical life of the Church. St. Leo preached this sermon in May of the year 445. And now, from Pope St. Leo the Great's Sermon 74. The mystery of our salvation, dearly beloved, which the Creator of the universe thought worth the price of his blood, has from the day of his bodily birth to the end of his suffering been carried to completion through the condition of his humility. Although many signs of the divinity in the form of the servant have been evident, strictly speaking, the action of that time pertained to demonstrating the truth of the humanity he assumed. After his passion, when the chains were broken of that death, which had destroyed its own strength by proceeding against the one who had no acquaintance with sin, then weakness was turned to strength, mortality to eternity, disgrace to glory. The Lord Jesus made this obvious in the sight of all 
by many and clear signs until he carried the triumph of victory that he had brought back from the death up into heaven. As the resurrection of the Lord was a cause of rejoicing for us in the Paschal mystery, so his ascension into heaven is a matter of present delight for us. We recall and rightly venerate that day when our lowly nature was carried in Christ above the hosts of heaven, over all the angelic orders, and beyond the heights of all powers, to the seat of God the Father. We have been established. We have been built in this order of divine works, that the grace of God becomes more wonderful when those things which are felt to invite proper reverence are removed from the sight of human beings, and still faith does not weaken, hope does not waver, love does not grow cold. This is the strength of great souls, and it is the light of intensely faithful spirits to believe unhesitantly what is not seen by bodily perception, and to fix their desire where they cannot fix their sight. From where would this devotion be born in our hearts? Or how would anyone be justified through faith if our salvation consisted only in those things that lie under our eyes? For this reason, the Lord even said, to the one who seemed to doubt the resurrection of Christ, unless, by sight and touch, he tested the marks of the passion in his very flesh. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. So then, that we can be fit for this blessedness, Dearly beloved, after all has been fulfilled that belong to the preaching of the gospel and the mysteries of the New Testament, our Lord Jesus Christ was raised to heaven. He made an end to his bodily presence in the sight of his disciples on the fortieth day after the resurrection. He was to remain at the Father's right hand until the time predetermined by God fulfilling the number of the children of the church should come, and he would return to judge the living and the dead in the same flesh which he ascended. What was to be seen of our Redeemer has passed into the sacraments, in order that faith might be more perfect and more firm, teaching has taken place of sight, and to this authority the hearts of believers, illumined by heavenly rays, have conformed. This faith, reinforced by the ascension of the Lord and strengthened by the gift of the Holy Spirit, has not been terrified by chains, by prison, 
by exile, by hunger, by fire, by the mangling of wild beasts, nor by sharp suffering from the cruelty of persecutors. Throughout the world, not only men, but also women, not just immature boys, but also tender virgins, have struggled on behalf of this faith, even to the shedding of their blood. This faith has cast out demons, driven away sicknesses, and raised the dead. Those blessed apostles, strengthened as they were by so many miracles, taught by so many sermons, although they had been terrified at the Lord's passion and had not accepted the truth of the resurrection without hesitation, advanced so much at the Lord's ascension that whatever had brought fear to them before was turned into joy. They had raised the whole gaze of their souls to divinity, of the one sitting at the right hand of the Father. No longer are they held back by any use of bodily sight which would prevent them from looking with sharpness of soul on the one who had neither been absent from the Father by his coming down, nor had departed from the disciples by his ascension. Then, dearly beloved, the son of a human being became known more eminently and more sacredly as the Son of God when he entered into the glory of his Father's majesty. In an ineffable way, he began to be more present in the divinity as he became more remote from our humanity. Then by a spiritual step, a more instructed faith began to give assent to the Son, equal to the Father, and it did not need the touch of the bodily substance in Christ, by which he is less than the Father, because with the nature of the glorified body remaining, the faith of believers was drawn there where the only begotten Son equal to the Father, might be touched, not by fleshly hand, but by the spiritual intellect. Hence, it is that after his resurrection, when Mary Magdalene, manifesting the person of the church, was hastening to approach to touch him, he said to her, do not touch me, because I have not yet ascended to my Father. He was, in fact, saying, I do not want you to come to me bodily, nor to acknowledge me with the perception of your flesh. I am taking you to higher things. I am preparing greater things for you. When I have ascended to my Father, then you will feel me more perfectly and more truly. You will embrace what you do not touch and believe what you do not see. When the searching eyes of the disciples were following the Lord with keen wonder 
as he ascended into heaven, two angels stood before them, shining in marvelously radiant clothing, and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into the sky? This Jesus who was taken up from you will soon come as you have seen him going into heaven. By these words, all the children of the church are taught that what we believe Jesus Christ is going to come, visible in the flesh in which he ascended. No one can doubt that all things have been made subject to him, whom from the very beginning of his natural birth the angelic household had served. Just as the angel announced to the Blessed Virgin that Christ would be conceived through the Holy Spirit, so the voice of the heavenly choir sang to the shepherds that he was born from the Virgin. As the first witness of the heavenly messengers told that he had risen from the dead, so the service of the angels was to announce that he would come to judge the world in the very same flesh. In this way, we might understand how many powers there will be with him when he comes to judge, to whom such a great number ministered even when he was about to be judged. Let us exalt, therefore, with a spiritual gladness, dearly beloved, and joyfully, with fitting gratitude to God, let us freely raise the eyes of our hearts to that height where Christ is. Let not earthly desires hold down the soul called upwards. Let perishable things not hold those ordained for eternity. Let false pleasures not delay those who have entered the way of truth. Let the faithful so travel over these temporal things that they may realize they are pilgrims in this valley of the world, where, even though certain pleasures attract, these are not to be vainly embraced, but must be passed over bravely. The blessed Apostle Peter urges us to this devotion, and, according to that desire for feeding the sheep of Christ, which he conceived at the threefold avowal of his love to the Lord, he begged them, saying, I urge you, my dear people, just as visitors and pilgrims, to keep yourselves free from the selfish passions that attack the soul. For whom, if not for the devil, do the worldly pleasures make war? Who is it that delights in hindering, by the pleasures of corruptible goods, the soul reaching for heaven, and in leading them away from that home which he himself fell? Against his snares, all faithful souls ought wisely to keep watch, so that, from that which is made a temptation against them, they might be able to crush 
this enemy. Nothing is stronger, dearly beloved, against the wiles of the devil than the kindness of mercy and generosity of love through which every sin is either avoided or conquered. But the sublimity of this virtue is not gained until what is contrary to it has been broken down. What is so inimical to the works of mercy and charity as greed, from which root the seed of all evil comes? Unless this be cut down in its first growth, it is certain that in the field of that heart in which the plants of this evil become strong, spines and thorns of sin will rise rather than any seed of true virtue. Let us resist then, dearly beloved, this rankling evil and strive after charity without which no virtue can shine. Through this way of love by which Christ descended to us, we also can ascend to him to whom are honor and glory with God the Father and with the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. Pope St. Leo the Great, pray for us. Let us pray. Gladden us with holy joys, almighty God, and make us rejoice with devout thanksgiving. For the ascension of Christ your Son is our exaltation, and where the head has gone before in glory, the body is called to follow in hope. Through our Lord Jesus Christ your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord.